welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys for Monday, March 27th. I am Dylan Flynn. I'm Trevor Ickrath. Trevor, uh, it's the first episode of our Gorillas fan cast. Are you excited about that? I'm really stoked. You came to me with this idea like yesterday, and I was immediately on board. Yeah, well, you know, I feel like it's sometimes you have to build a better mousetrap, and then sometimes a mousetrap doesn't even exist yet. Right, filling that hole in that market. I do want to say real quick, because you mentioned the date at the top, uh, this is coming out on Monday the 27th, but we're recording on Sunday, uh, March 26th, which is, a oh, very, that's a good point. which is a very special date. Do you know why? Uh, is that, oh my God, 16 years ago today. 16 years ago today, the first Gorilla Studio album. Yeah, I yep. was in Kentucky visiting my grandparents. I was super stoked already because I got obsessed with the Clint Eastwood video on MTV2. Uh and I made my dad take me to a Suncoast uh, DVD and record store at that time. They still had records. And uh, I bought my, my version of the self-title. I hold myself up in my grandparents' basement with headphones. And I was like, this is the best album that's ever existed. I was, I was 10 years old, not super into music yet. I do remember seeing the Clint Eastwood video on Toonami and thinking, oh, that's pretty cool. But yeah, March 2001. <laughs> we did it. 16 years. Yeah, 16 we years. would soon be grappling with the national tragedy of 9-11, and all we would have to help get us through it is four lovable cartoon characters and a tasteful yeah. trip-hop. Uh, this is our first episode, and so... This is the pilot, depending on yeah. how this goes. It, well, yeah, that's true. It yeah. might be one of those, like, one and done. Wasn't there, like, an attempted Happy Days spinoff about an adult Cupid? We could be that. Yeah, I wasn't really able to get that off the ground. I, I think we're both kind of dreading getting the pilot heavy lifting stuff out of the way um, because that's really boring to do to like dryly tell our listeners who we are and why they should care about us. Yeah. So um, let's, let's jump into that now and get it out of the way. I think let's do it so fast. Yeah. I want to challenge you Trevor to tell me and our listener who you are in one super economical sentence. I am a writer living in LA who got into gorillas through Demon Days. I joined Gorillas Unofficial soon after, and I've been living the gorillas lifestyle ever since. <laughs> Does that mean that you like have a a, a version of your name like two T, and you draw draw yourself like a gorillas character? No, I never really took it that far. I actually have a very long, complicated history with gorillas. Uh, you know, over the course of my 10-year right. relationship with them now. But yeah, that's all we'll, we'll get stuff that, that I'm sure we'll, we will we'll explore throughout that. the course of the podcast. We don't need to get into it right just yet. Yeah, okay. I'm going to do the same thing that you just did. Okay. Uh, I'm Dylan Flynn. I'm a stand-up comedian living in the Houston area. Uh, I got into Gorillas before the self-titled came out, and then I kind of fell off real hard, and then Demon Days came out, and I was like, mm-hmm, this is still my jam. And here we are, however many years later, and it appears to also still be my jam. Spoiler alert. Uh, and then I guess really quickly, we also, I guess we've known each other now, Trevor, for more than a decade. That's really weird to think about. That is really weird. Yeah. We met through um, the forum I mentioned, gorillasunofficial.com. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Were you also active on the um, original message board, the OMB? You know what? I had a screen name there when I was like 12 and the first album came out. Um, but it was kind of a shoe. It was like a real waste. Yeah, we it probably was, shouldn't talk about it. It was not great. Yeah. It was not great. I think uh, the less we explore the darker corners of the Gorillaz fan base, the better. We should probably just stick to. 
Yeah, maybe maybe in between this album that's coming out and the next one, we'll like get really heavy into that stuff. Yeah, but... shine a light on those darker corners. But for now, I think we should keep to the light. Uh, Gorillas Unofficial still technically exists, right? Is that true? It's still the first place I get to like whenever some rumors are floating around, whenever news drops. Right. I know Twitter. Their, their Twitter is still very, uh, or at least relatively active, or something like that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Go join that forum. Why not? If you're listening and you're a fan, go Plugs. check it out. Plugs. Uh, let's get into the news. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're doing. I mean, again, you mentioned that we're recording the Sunday before, so if if something has happened that makes all of this sound like in really poor taste, like David Alvarn killed Jamie Hewitt and then turned the gun on himself, uh, just keep in mind we don't know about that yet. It's all good news now. But anyway, okay, so there's uh, uh, Gorillas have announced the Demon Days Festival. Gorillas are prepping their live return with a headlining festival in Kent, England on June 10th with a full lineup of support acts to be named soon. Uh, the event will be held at the Dreamland Amusement Park in Margate. And this is kind of funny, but the press release, Trevor, also mentioned that the tickets are going to include full admission to that amusement park. I saw that. Uh, I kind of initially <laughs> totally ignored this uh, news release because it is not something that I would ever feasibly be able to go to. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And and uh, and so the tickets went on sale March 10th. They're all sold out. Um, but the good news is that the whole festival is going to be streamed live on Red Bull.TV. And also the good news is, I mean, we still don't know who all is on the bill. That's not officially been announced, although Damon teased some things. We'll get into that a little later. But uh, the good news is, is if they if they book someone awful, like if there's a full full life cipher uh, set, you can just go ride the log flume because that's included in your ticket price. Can you imagine you can a go... full Bioff Cypher live set at a Gorillas festival? I can imagine being like, oh, cool. That means I can go grab an elephant ear and a funnel cake. We I shouldn't can... We shouldn't include this in the actual podcast because I know you created a Twitter for us and you followed all of the collaborators <laughs> and the only one who followed you back was a member of this group. That's true. That's true. God bless you. I bet if we're nice enough, too, we could get him to retweet us. You know what? I bet if we're really nice enough, we could get him to Skype in. (laughs) (laughs) That's the goal. By the end of season one, we will have that member of My Life Cypher on the podcast. And we'll give him instrumental versions of of uh, of Feel Good Inc. and Saturn's Bars so that he can do an official Full Life Cypher version. Entire instrumental versions of some of their albums exist. I mean, we could get him to freestyle over every track on Demon Days. Oh, yes. A Fly Life Cypher edition of Demon Days. This is good. I think having a goal will really drive this podcast. I mean, Scott Aukerman was able to get you two on his podcast. We should be able to get this guy from this hip-hop group that I have never heard anything else from. (laughs) I'm for it. I'm all for it, Trevor. Good. We have a goal. Okay. Uh, okay, so I am stoked about this because I can watch it on Red Bull TV. Uh, although that feels weird and like a <laughs> like a corporatic thing to say. Like, thank you, Red Bull, for letting me watch this concert. Uh, Gorillas have always had some weird corporate collaborations going on. Like, remember um, in Phase Three when they were trying to they hooked up with like Microsoft for some kind of Internet oh Explorer deal. Yeah, yeah, I do I was, remember that. It was kind of embarrassing in retrospect, especially when like Arcade Fire was working with like Google Chrome to do some kind of 
Google Maps inspired video, which also is kind of like bad in retrospect, but at least they were kind of trying to be on the cutting edge there. Yeah. Uh, well, and then I think this isn't in our news stories, but it, I believe they've already announced, you know, in advance of the new LP that they're doing something with Beach by Dre. Yeah. I mean, that's a little better, right? Yeah, at least that's consistent. Yeah. Like, you th- you think, oh, music industry, headphones, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I don't got much else to say about this. I mean, I'm I'm interested to see what all we get. I'm, I'm assuming what this is going to be, Trevor, is we're going to get a full set from some of the collaborators, and it's all going to lead up to a big gorilla set. That's my, that's what I assume we're getting. And you said you didn't know who was going to be there yet, right? They haven't announced well, that bill? So Damon said some off-the-cuff shit about it, uh... But that's kind of tied into one of our, our news stories, so I guess I'll save that. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, officially, there's no, like, you can't go look at the website and see the list of the people. Right. Uh, let's move into our next story. Gorillas release video for Saturn's Bars. Uh, the clip directed by Jamie Hewitt, Hewlett is uh, available in both standard and interactive 360-degree versions. Are you gonna? Are you gonna? Are you gonna re-edit the fact that you just like got the uh, one of two Gorillas members' names wrong I'm it the in. first time you mentioned <laughs> I'm it? I'm leaving it in. I'm leaving it in. Okay. Because I wrote it for some reason. I wrote it down. I know to you it wrote it in our Google it. Doc wrong every time, and I was like, "Oh boy." I know it's a bummer, but I said it, and now everybody knows that I'm a flawed individual. It's fine. And they can like judge me and call my gorilla's credentials into into question i'm okay with it i'm sure that after like 16 years i'm still pronouncing auburn incorrectly so uh so it's available in both standard and interactive 360 degree versions it features the band uh in traditional two-dimensional animation exploring a computer-generated haunted mansion which is dubbed the spirit house and they're being tormented by spooky supernatural beings as they float through space in various stages of undress trevor have you seen, did you watch, first of all, did you watch the 360 version? I didn't watch the 360 version. I did watch the standard version, I guess. I feel like I'm missing out on something about this video because the primary discourse I've seen surrounding it has been that, like, you get to see Murdoch's dick from, like, every angle. Right, but it is edited, okay, at least as I far was, as I know. As far as I know, I've been seeing some, like, conversations that sound like people are actually seeing this dick. There might be, like, a deep web version if you go to, like, gorillas.onion where you can see... That's gorillas with know, an S.com. They've hit it yeah, in plain yeah, view. exactly. I'm assuming, Trevor, that knowing how this band works, that we probably will get some version of an unedited version of, of this uh, video when some DVD comes out. I don't know if we've ever uh, seen Murdoch's dick. I Canada. believe... Look, I think we have. And I, I and I think it was during Phase 2. I'm not... You're thinking I, of... Uh, 2D's dick, honestly, actually. Oh, right. Maybe yep. I am. He, there's that uh, picture with them all standing in front of Kong, and 2D's dick is just that for some reason. Right, right. Yeah. Have we seen Jamie or Damon's dick? Uh, no, but I think they probably have seen each other's. Is Graham Cox and Damon's dick? <laughs> Let's cut that joke. Uh, no problem. I saw him one time walking his kid to school. <laughs> Seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. Okay, I watched the 360 version. First of all, before we get into that, what did you think of the video? Okay, so the standard version, I think, is the that's the canonical version of the video because it's like very well directed and uh, it the camera points where the action is all the time. Okay, I like the video fine. 
I liked that uh, it seems like we're not kind of like top-loading this phase up front with a bunch of narrative. I like that, too. This was very phase one, I thought. I agree. Like, it uh, takes it back to the core concept of gorillas being this just this band that wanders into all these separate kind of nonlinear spooky situations. I, would, I yeah. wouldn't mind if every video we got this phase was them just doing something kind of, something else that was like a little Scooby-Doo-ish. Yes, exactly. I feel like if this video came out, you know, uh, eight years ago, we would have some version of the spirit house that we could explore on gorillas.com. Like all of the, all of the videos would take place in the spirit house. Absolutely. But what we're getting instead, I think is great. Um, I like the video. I like, I think it's funny. It's playful. I like, uh, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, there's, it's something very charismatic about a, about a nude Murdoch sort of frog swimming through outer space that's that's a funny image it feels like they're back it does feel like they're back i don't know how i feel necessarily about the cgi spooky scary monsters i know that they look kind of shitty on purpose i understand that that's a choice uh i just don't know if that works for me totally yeah plus that whole thing with russell almost like crossed into like tentacle porn a little bit Like, there's going to be some interesting Gorillaz fan art about that on the Reddit in, like, probably a couple right. days. But, but the, that aside, the monster goofiness aside, I thought that uh, video was a lot of fun. I like that it didn't have, like, an obvious to-be-continued dot-dot-dot thing going on. Thank, thank goodness. Yeah. It seems like this is exactly where you want to start off this new phase. Anything could happen next, et cetera, et cetera. I've appreciated attempts they've done to create narratives across the phases in the past, but I really just do not think they've ever stuck the landing. And it's refreshing to see them kind of approach this phase with a little bit less of maybe a long-term goal in mind. I agree. To my memory, I think Plastic Beach was kind of the most intricately woven of the kind of everything is connected phases. Is that right? Or am I misremembering that? I would say so. I think halfway through phase two they were like oh maybe we can turn this into a kind of cohesive thing and yeah like that kind oh, of, we'll go back to the island with the windmill on it and blah 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 yeah they kind of tried to like explain everything in retrospect in the uh in rise of the ogre that biography they put out and some of it was just like i don't know i didn't i wasn't really feeling it but there was something that was like there was some what was fun what was charismatic i thought was that everybody's character felt really Everybody seemed to be in the right place. Like, what everybody goes and does in the spirit house kind of matches their personality, you know? Absolutely. Like, uh, yeah. Murdoch sees a disgusting, brackish bathtub full of muddy water and wants to take a bath in it. That's, like, check. Uh, Noodle puts on a record. Tootie wants to eat the food. Russell wants to take a nap. All these things kind of, like, it seemed character first in a way that I liked. Definitely. It's like they've... They're trying to focus on, I think, what they are actually strong at writing this time around. Right. So, I, okay, so then I'm going to talk a little bit about the 360 experience. Uh, I didn't use Google Cardboard or anything. I just held my phone up and, and like, spun around in circles like a goon in my living room, uh, which my dog was not fond of at all. And I thought that it was fine. Like, that's the last time I'm ever going to watch that 360 version. Uh, there are a handful of moments in the video where there are kind of multiple centers of focus that you get to choose from yourself. But for the most part, there's what you're seeing in the video. And then there's like a fully rendered 
3D environment that you can look away from what's happening to see the inside of the room. Um, and, you know, good on him. That's a cool effort. I think it's, it, it's better that it does exist than it doesn't. Uh, but the standard version of the video, that's, the, that's where the money is. Our last story today, uh, Gorillas make triumphant live comeback with Secret Show at Printworks in London. Uh, a day after announcing their new LP, Humans, Damon Albarn and his all-star troupe played the album front to back. Portions of the concert were live-streamed on the Cartoon Band's Facebook. We're going to play our new album, Humans, in its entirety. We've got pretty much everyone who's on the, on the record here, Albarn toward the crowd, uh, adding that while the full cast of guests weren't able to make the performance on such short notice, every artist featured on Humans will appear at the Gorillas' upcoming Demon Days Festival in June. So that's what Damon says. Damon says all those guys are going to be at Demon Days. Quite a lineup. It's a good lineup. I'd like to see. I mean, you know, Vince Staples, do you think they'll just get all of Savages? Or is Jenny Beth going to just show up and do some spoken word? What's she going to do? I want to know if if Dram is going to have a set. And I wonder if he's going to uh, pull Lil Yachty out for, you know, Broccoli. Boy, if Dram's there, he better have a set. Because what is he even doing on that song? We'll get into it. It's a good question. (laughs) Did you or did you not watch or listen to any of this show? I didn't listen to any of it because, honestly, um, I've learned from one of Damon's previous projects, The Good, The Bad, and The Queen, that if I become too attached to live versions of his material, I will like eventually, ultimately, be underwhelmed by the studio versions that come out, I think. Right. That's smart. And also, there's no soundboard, so you're kind of short Yeah, that's just yourself. not how I want to experience the first Gorillaz album in seven years almost for the first time right i'll tell you that i did go ahead and listen to the live versions of the four songs that have been released and i listened to the full uh encore because that was all previous phase material okay uh from what i could tell you know it's the albums the new stuff sounding really good like it probably doesn't sound as tight as it would if they'd been touring with it for six months but for like a extremely short-term notice surprise pre-release show this sounded really solid. Like I would not have felt shortchanged at all um, by what I heard just on those four tracks. I can't speak to the rest of the album. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the encore, though, because I thought there were some very interesting choices made there. Um, so the encore was uh, Kids with Guns into Feel Good Inc. with De La Soul there because they had already. They're also there on Humans, right? And then uh, Clint Eastwood with Dell live for the first time. That's the first time Dell has ever done that song with Damon and the band uh, in in history. That he's done it with time. he's done it with Damon before though, hasn't he? I don't think so. I'm pretty, I mean, I'm pretty sure he, they've done it once in the past. I'm gonna look this up right now. I don't know when when Damon talks it up before he comes on. He goes like, "We've never done this song with Dell before," so I don't know. I'm going off of him, but it, you know he's done me. He's done me dirty in the past. He might be wrong. Yeah, I mean he's he did so much stuff back in the '90s. You can never really be sure what's <laughs> true. coming out of his I've, mouth. I've seen Dell do the song in concert as Dell. No, they, uh, they they did it back at a South by Southwest in 2014. Damon. Yep. You're full of shit. Yeah, he was just trying to cash in on that moment. That's true. It was a big moment though. He's Everybody like, no, he's like, who here was at South by Southwest? I bet not a lot of people. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna. You know, they'll get hyped if I say it. Not a lot of people <laughs> are going to be able to call me out on it in the moment. 
I think because Dell was there, uh, that's a really good performance of that song. That's the least bored I've heard Damon sound on that song in a live version in quite some time. Like, he seems sort of charged up by the, the atmosphere in the moment. And probably because he was taking a victory lap because the concert had just gone really well. Um, but what I think is interesting here, Trevor, is kids with guns in lieu of anything from Phase 3. It's a really interesting choice to open up an encore. It's very interesting, and it seems so deliberate. So it's worth mentioning that the that the third most streamed Gorilla song is from Plastic Beach. On, on Melancholy Hill, for all intents and purposes, is the third most popular Gorilla song, which is crazy. But uh, that would have been so easy to slot into an encore. You don't need anybody there, really, but Damon and a synthesizer and a drum machine to pull off an On Melancholy Hill. So it seems really, in- I don't know, maybe I'm being an obnoxious fanboy and reading too deeply into this, but I've always kind of gotten the sense that, like, Damon is eager to close the book on that album. It wouldn't surprise me. Phase 3 was just, I don't think it really went the way they were planning it to go. Right. Well, it, I mean, the album itself, as far as I understand, right, kind of came from the ashes of a failed project like it was supposed to be this movie and then it wasn't i have Uh, always since then i've always assumed that anything gorillas would release in the future would be a failed project of damon's that he realized the only way i'm going to be able to get this out here (laughs) is if i slap this like brand name on it (laughs) yeah that's you know that's probably a fair that's really initially what i thought um hallelujah money was which is uh, I, we haven't mentioned Hallelujah Money yet. No. It, it is technically the first single from this album. It is definitely, and a divisive one at that. Yeah, I was, the... I was very surprised to find out that it was going to be on the album. When it first Me came too. out, I was like, I don't really think this is a Gorilla song. I think this was something that Damon just kind of wanted to put out. Like, right. Topically, you know, the Trump election was happening. And yeah, well, I think I think now that I know that it's on the album, it makes perfect sense. Now that I know that it's on the album, what doesn't make sense is that it's the first song we heard from the album. <laughs> I initially like, thought it was just going to be some kind of like weird little art project that Damon wanted to release. He didn't really have an avenue to do it. So, you know, yeah. get Jamie to do a little marionette 2D silhouette over his video and call it a Gorillaz track. Right. And I actually, I don't know. I don't know where you fall on the Hallelujah Money argument. I think I like that song. I dig that song. I think it's I cool. Dig, I dig Benjamin Clementine. I yeah. like that one song of his. Uh, was, but I won't. How's that, what's that song called? I haven't heard that one. I have no other That's experience with him, actually. But I think it's pretty cool. I can't imagine it ever becoming one of my favorite Gorilla songs. But no. after hearing it a couple times, I really warmed up to it. It does feel like it's going to make a lot more sense in the context of the record to me. Yeah, it'll be interesting um, to see how it fits in. I think it's the I can't is that the I think it's the second to last song. It's down Living there. Up I think Power. it might be the third to last. <clears throat> Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um okay. Do we have anything else to do? Okay, Printworks show went well. None of us got to go there. We're not cool enough, but it seems like everybody had a good time. Yeah. That's that's uh, closing the book on that new story. Anything you want to share about that in addition? No, let's talk about these tracks. Yes. Let's get into the round table, Trevor. Wait, can we let's talk about the album in general a little bit? Because I feel like we haven't done that. How are you how, no, do, you, how do you feel about some of the aesthetic choices they've made? What do you think of humans as an album title? Okay, okay. Humans as an album title, I feel like 
I okay, I like the title. I do like the title. It feels like a mission statement. What about that Z? The Z, I think <laughs> there's a lot of doubling down on the Z. There's right a now. lot of double, and it took them four phases to get there. <laughs> They've never done this before. The Z has always been one of the more interesting aesthetic choices of this band. I think we're like, going to have an entire future episode discussing whether Gorillas is actually the worst band name of all time. It's not a great band name. No, in my but we'll opinion. talk about it somewhere down the road. But if you, but if your band is called Gorillas, you better fucking lean into it. Like, wasn't that Miles Davis who said that in jazz, like, if you make a mistake, just make the same mistake three times in a row, so everybody thinks it was on purpose. But the thing is that Gorillas got it right the next two times. Now they haven't learned from that previous experience, and now they are <laughs> making the mistake. <laughs> if you're not I a like- fan of the Z, I'm indifferent to the Z. Honestly, I initially thought like eh, it's a little, I'm not really feeling it, but. It's whatever. I like it. I like humans because I feel like that I think that there is definitely going to be a political mandate of this album that is about, uh, you know, standing up against hate and discrimination. I mean, we got the power to be loving each other. We got the power to be loving each other. There's a song that's called like uh, Murder Sex Party or Sex Murder Party or something. Yep. Um, and it's, And both of the artists on that are like there's like an LGBT producer and an LGBT rapper on it. Great. Uh, and my feeling is like, what if that song, <laughs> what if sex murder party is about the Orlando nightclub shooting? I'm not saying that it is, Wow. but what if it is, uh, is that a tasteless thing to call <laughs> a song about the Orlando nightclub shooting? I guess we'll or, see. I guess we'll, we'll see. see. This does but feel I, like a very, I think they're trying to build this almost as a direct sequel to demon days. Yeah, you think? I mean, that makes sense. Demon I mean, they're Days calling the festival their... Demon Days. Demon Days was like sort of a gently war, a war protest album, right? I've always seen it less as a war protest album and more just a general exploration of uh, Damon's experience of that time period of like the mid-2000s. Like, if right. listening to that album, he must have thought that the world was legitimately ending. Like, right. there are so many bad vibes on every track on that album, even some of the prettier ones. But then Plastic Beach, on the other hand, also a political album, I think always came off a little bit more, like, cranky and obstinate. Uh, maybe not helped by the fact that, like, the median age of the collaborators on that album is maybe 50 years old. Like, it just seems like a bunch of old dudes complaining about how they saw an iPod box on the beach one time, and it made them feel like... What are these kids doing to our... <laughs> I, I think that's... There are, what, three old people on that album? There are, okay, wait. Let's let's do it. There is Bobby Womack, Lou Reed. Snoop Dogg is old. Snoop, Snoop Dogg, Dogg is, is old. old. Uh, there are the two Clash members. That's really only... It's really only five old people. There's the guy from The Fall. Okay, there is... Yeah, I guess there is the guy from The Fall. He's old. Yeah, he's there too. Yeah. Okay, there are a lot of old people. De La, De La Sol are very old by now, I guess. De right? La Sol are also very old. <laughs> but humans is full of young motherfuckers yeah. and Carly Simon in an, in a bonus track. I am excited for the album. I do like the name. I feel like it's it's about it seems to be about like well you know look at Vince Staples. We'll talk about Vince Staples uh, uh, verse, but I feel like his verse is probably very telling for the the political and social direction of this album. Also, Damon in that BBC interview mentioned that one of the reasons that Gorillas. Uh, is such a a collaborator-focused project is that 
he wants to tell stories that he doesn't feel his life experience will allow him to tell in a legitimate way. Interesting. Um, which I think makes a lot of sense. Definitely. If you're going to make a song called Sex Murder Party about the Orlando nightclub shooting, then maybe you want to bring a couple of, of uh, queer artists on to help tell that story. I guess we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's talk about the cover art. <laughs> I hate the cover art. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> the only thing I like about the cover art is that Murdoch was clearly intentionally designed to look like Noel Gallagher. Noel Liam, I don't know which one is which at this point. A Gallagher. He's a, a, he's a Gallagher. Gallagher. He has become a Gallagher. By the way, Noel Gallagher is on The Closer. Yeah, and he's credited as a co-writer yeah. uh, of, of one of the tracks, too. Very interesting. I actually have a gorilla story I can go into here. Can I do that for a moment? It's Noel yeah, Gallagher related. It. I saw Blur um, perform at the Hollywood Bowl about, I guess, a year and a half ago. How, and how was that? They seem like they've had pretty good live dates. It was It was cool. It was cool. I was a little underwhelmed. I don't know. I don't love going to shows at the Hollywood Bowl. It's a little too big, and I just feel like I'm kind of watching TV. But it was really a special experience for me to see Blur live. I feel like we should have probably touched on this during the uh, discussion of the uh, festival and live dates that they were doing. Have you seen Gorillaz Live? Uh, No. No, I've never seen Gorillaz Live. Um, That's, that's, I guess, a failing of, of myself. You know, the the live experience is something that I don't. I seek out less and less uh, as I'm getting older. Part of the problem is that uh, I have a disability, Trevor. I'm hearing impaired. Okay. Uh, so my ideal listening uh, experience for music is always going to be headphones. Um, in any kind of a live PA setting, if I have my hearing aids and they're going to like the gain is going to short them out and it's going to sound like shit to me. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, so I don't doubt that I'll see the girl, I'll see the band in some form before I am dead or they are no longer a band. Uh, but you know, I the couple of times that I've had, oh, they're on the same coast as me. I've just kind of been like, eh, I, I, eh. I've seen a number of their collaborators live. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, I don't know. Just I just haven't gotten around to it. Maybe that maybe that along with calling him Jamie Hewitt means that I shouldn't be hosting this podcast. Maybe we should uh, go log on to the Gorillas forum and find a 13-year-old kid who should take my place. They'd probably be doing a lot better job than us at this point. But I've seen them. I've seen them twice actually. I saw uh, them in Harlem when they were doing that special Demon Days show, which was very cool. And then I oh, saw yeah. them uh, again when they were touring for Plastic Beach, was which was a little. I felt like the live performances were a little messy, but they ultimately uh, were really good. Where on the tour did you, like, how long did they be on tour when you saw them do Plastic Beach? Oh, I'm not sure. The fall had not come out yet. The fall had not come out yet, no. And was it outdoor? No, it was indoors. I saw them in Camden, New Jersey. I remember reading people's reactions that seemed to say that, like, most of the outdoor gigs were better than the indoor gigs on the Plastic Beach tour for some reason. I can imagine. I can't speak to that. I can't speak to that. I was not there. What was that big festival that they played? Didn't they like headline uh, Coachella, wasn't it? Did they headline Coachella? I think so, yeah. That's really weird to think about. That was one of their their last live appearances, I think, before before this uh this comeback show. I think this um, was exaggerated probably in the aftermath, but didn't that like show not really go well? Like I remember some kind of uh yeah, see if I um if I Google Gorilla's Coachella, the first result is uh this uh, post on Coachella's official forum website 
from 2010, Gorillas, colon, most disappointing headliner ever. <laughs> That's on Coachella.com? It's on Coachella.com. It is on, you know, it's God a post damn, in the forum. That is doing them dirty. I know much has already been said, and you can flame me to your heart's content, says uh, Coachella forum user Milos57. But Gorillas <laughs> were a serious letdown, and I say that as a fan of their music. The whole show was uncreative, very low-key, and had no real feeling behind it. Simply wow. playing in front of video screens, showing animation, the style of video, and other stuff is hardly inspired, especially after witnessing Adams for Peace rip Coachella's heart out. Adams for Peace, you may remember, is Tom York's uh, yeah, sideband York. with Flea and somebody else in it, right? Right, and I remember hearing that single and being like, not, not for Dylan. Yeah, I, I don't care about this. But compared to them, I guess Gorillaz felt like the biggest anti-climax ever. Well, maybe maybe Damon Alvar needed to put a, a tube sock over his dick and slap a motherfucking bass guitar. Something. I'm sure that he was totally... I'm sure it was a completely valid reaction. I'm sure that it was not the best set ever. I don't. Think, I remember hearing at the time that it was that it was a little bit shambolic. Yeah, I know Damon was kind of uh, disappointed too because, I, like I said, I feel like this probably got blown out of proportion in the aftermath, but... Uh, there was all this talk about him getting upset on stage that people weren't singing, even though they were flashing the lyrics uh, of the song. I think it was, um, <laughs> what was it? What's the closer from Plastic Beach? Pirate Jet. People weren't singing along with Pirate Jet. God forbid people don't sing along with like the worst song on the album after Glitter Freeze. If but, you guys don't all yell, where's North from here in unison? <laughs> we're not going to play Glitter Freeze. You're joking, but I'm pretty sure that actually happened. <laughs> Glitter Breeze takes it on the chin, man. Yeah. It's got to be most people's least favorite uh, album track from the band. I've seen people call uh, Glitter Freeze their least favorite song of all time. <laughs> that seems excessive. But you know what? This isn't our Plastic Beach episode. I think, yeah, I guess we should talk about that later. So, you know, keep following along until we reveal our very controversial opinions on Glitter Freeze. Anyway, do you want to talk, talk about, about the four songs, new songs? Huh? Yeah, let's talk about the four new songs. All right, let's start with Saturn's Bars. Yes, the this feels like the, I guess, first official single because of the music video. I think it's, it is the first single. I really, I, I really like it. I love this song. And I've been surprised I've, to see that it's kind of gotten a middling response from the Gorillaz fan base. I've seen, well, people, I've seen people who say they really love it. I've also seen people who say they don't care for it at all. I feel like uh, I've mostly seen positive reactions to it, but I've definitely seen a lot of, like, I like it, but I like this one better. Yeah, I don't understand how a Gorillaz fan could not love this song because it feels like for the first time, you know, Gorillaz always try and branch out and try something different with each new phase. This is, I feel like, the first song we've gotten that feels like almost fan service for, like, the fans of Phase right. 1. It has all the kind of elements that you would find in a track from their self-titled, I think. Yes, and not in the... Um, I don't want to say, like, not in the cynical, because cynical is not the right word, but... I look at a song like Super Fast Jellyfish, that seems, like, too self-aware about wanting to try to recapture the formula uh, of what has been commercially successful for the band in the past, you know? Careful, because I do love me some Super Fast Jellyfish. I, I think that song is charming and definitely has a lot, uh, it has, has plenty to offer, but I do think it feels a little bit sweaty in a way that I don't think Saturn's Bars feel sweaty. Like, I feel like... That that song and this song probably adhere to the quote unquote gorillas formula roughly as slavishly as one another. They're the phases Clint Eastwoods. Yes. 
But I feel like sonically, there's new ground being broken on Saturn's bars that feels compelling and feels like a step forward for the band, which I don't know that I felt uh, about Superfast Jellyfish, for example. Um, I'll say this for this song. I want this fucking instrumental, dude. And I don't know that I would say, I don't know that I was clamoring for any like Plastic Beach instrumentals. And that's a really cool instrumental. I really love that ominous high-pitched synth kind of drone that comes that in. That synth line is great. Yes, the really coral. good. So gorillas like a... too. It's very haunting. Uh, and, like they're yes. back to that kind of like zombie pop kind of vibe with this track, I think. I know, I know, and there's like a there's a vague dance hall feeling going on, not just because of what Popcan's doing on the track, which is interesting because that's always been like one element of of the uh, of their sound, and now it's kind of suddenly a little bit more fashionable than it was in past phases. Again, Popcan's first, um, I think, also begs for an in universe gorillas character. Oh, some I kind agree. of representation. I think, he and just I guess he inc- he's technically all four of those little monsters in the video. Right, definitely. But I, that's a great performance. I think Popcan is so good on this song. Do you have much? Uh, uh, do you have much experience with his other work? I haven't heard too many Popcan songs. I I've think, only heard that song he did with Jamie XX. That's the only one that I know. I've heard that one, and I've heard um, the demo, I guess, version of Controla by Drake. Right, which I guess he was on, and then he not ended on, up cutting Popcan off at the last minute. He got a lot of heat from that for that. Right. Right. You know, I don't know that this is going to be like a big charting single. In fact, I think based on iTunes numbers, it probably won't be. Uh, but I think that the game has changed enough. And I think what it is going to do is set humans up nicely for a huge first week of release. Do you think we'll uh, see a big like Gorillaz crossover single or have they kind of left that territory? I kind of, I really doubt it. Yeah, I, feel I like think we're living I don't in, think we got one for Plastic Beach. I think they've. Kind I feel of, like uh, we're living in a in a post one dance universe, and the 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 elements that make a chart topping single in 2017 are very specific and not necessarily embodied by the Gorillaz Project. I but, think they, it's interesting you said it because I think they are embodied by the Gorillaz Project because you know you see what Drake's doing with One Dance and those kind of tracks of his where he's taking all these influences from other cultures. That's really right. what the Gorillaz Project was about uh, from the start. That's true. I just think it's not necessarily the right kind of sleepy and it's not the right kind of melancholy uh, for to like be one of... Well, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I might be wrong. But I will say that in 2017, I feel like there is more goodwill for the Gorillaz Project from the greater like hip-hop and pop music community than there has ever been in a past phase. I feel like the line between a Gorillaz fan and a general music nerd has never been blurrier. Uh, you know, I, I, the the kind of backpacker white hip-hop nerd that has become a very vocal part of the internet music discussion machine uh, is very aware of Gorillaz, is very excited about this album. Uh, and I think that there's... I think, it, I think they're set up for a huge album uh, release and, and big sales on the album. I that's think the, my prediction. I think the excitement for this album is really palpable. And that's always something I felt uh, with Gorillaz. They kind of inspire an excitement from their core fans that I don't see from a lot, like fans of a lot of other bands. When right, right. a Gorillaz album comes out, it truly feels like a special event. And that was the first way I saw this album described by Damon himself. He said he's preparing a, a new Gorillaz album. It's going to be very special. But like, you know, yeah. with a Gorillaz album, how could it not be? You know, to, to speak to your point about uh, the hype that surrounds new Gorillaz albums, I think that's true. I think Gorillaz are kind of one of the only bands that are not widely looked upon as 
you know, generation leaders, like a like a, a Radiohead or an Arcade Fire, that the machine really goes crazy when a new album is coming out. Um, I don't know what I don't know how to speak to that. Maybe it's just because uh, if you're a Gorillaz fan, you're you're more likely to own a poster or an action figure or draw a picture of your favorite character on your DeviantArt. I can't. I don't know why. I don't know why we have such a special fan community, Trevor. I'm actually, it really kind of hit me in the feels when I saw that leaked track listing that they have us. I guess the last song on the album, the deluxe edition at least, is called Circle of Friends, which just is a very special title to me, thinking about all the relationships that I've made through this band. And it's just a great way to to describe, sum up the kind of collaborative nature of the uh, project itself. Yeah, and maybe a little cheesy, but you know what? In a good way. Maybe a little friends with a Z at the end, yeah, a little bit, but I'm on board. Saturn's Bars, I think, is a banger. It is my it's favorite really of these good. four it's tracks. It's really good. Uh, uh, that chorus is like it's slightly understated, but so catchy. Mm-hmm. And it's it's impressive that Damon, in his he's, he's late forties now, or is he in his fifties yet? I feel like he might have gotten to his fifties. It's impressive to me that he is still sexy and cool enough that he can pull off a lyric like. Saturn's about to make love and not sound like a weirdo. I really like that lyric. It just takes me. I can't me, uh, sing it and not sound like a dork, though. So I sing good. along to that song in my car, and I'm like, every time that lyric comes out, I'm like, man, you're not pulling this off. It just draws me back to um. He's 49, I guess. Yeah, it uh, the lyric Saturn's about to make love always just uh, brings me back to that uh, classic painting. What is it? Oh, where he's biting the he's guy's head eating off. His, no, he's eating his kid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's what that's what this song is about. Go if you're listening to this and you're not behind the wheel of a car. Google Saturn eating dude's head. Saturn devouring his son, <laughs> a painting by Spanish artist Francisco Goya from 1823. It's it's brutal. It's a brutal and and oddly comedic image. Yeah, and that song's just about this dude getting ready to bone. It sure is, and that song's great. That hook's great. I love the interchange between. Pop can and Damon on the hook. I love the I love the uh, the bridge, the hologram beside me yes. bridge. And Pop can's like verse is just so good. It is oh, like a classic so Gorillas rap verse. What's the? I don't have my gun, so I cut like a knife. So yeah, good. so good. Two big thumbs up. Two yeah. two pixelated Murdoch dicks up. Let's go. Way up. Let's go to uh, Ascension though. This is like the. This is actually like, barring the actual intro, this is the opening track to the album. That's right. That's right. And uh, and it's a it's a it's I think inarguably it's a huge Vince Staples moment. It's really good. I uh, do not have as much experience with Vince Staples as I would uh, like to have by this point because I know he's really really good. I saw him at FYF last year here, and right. his set was great. I didn't I wasn't too familiar with the songs. I first uh, came across him I think on that really good Earl Sweatshirt song back from yeah. two thousand what was it thirteen two thousand twelve or something. Hive. I remember that song. I don't know that he totally jumped out to me on it, but when Hell Can Wait came out, um, I was sort of like immediately on Team Team Vince. I was like, this dude seems like he's really... I love Summertime 06. I think that, that album is terrific. That was a good one. That's the only thing I've heard from him. I haven't listened to it enough, but I definitely agree that it got the praise it deserved. But this seems like a huge moment uh, for Vince. Um, it's a, it's, I would call it a... a Fun but socially conscious song. Definitely. Uh, and I like that because of the state of the world that we're in, there is not necessarily quite as clearly two camps in hip hop between the kind of like 
ignorant fun party rap and the and the super serious boring socially conscious rap like there's no longer kind of a well you're a talib Kweli or you're a i don't know little john totally <laughs> i mean kind look of... at look at future in march madness he has a lyric like balling like it's march madness uh directly preceding lyric about uh cop shooting people Exactly, exactly. Because everybody's living in the same kind of twisted, backwards world, and they all have to talk about it. Exactly. Uh, I think that this song is a lot of fun. I know that there is a little bit of bristling in the in the community about that hook, and maybe it being a little weak. I just think it gets annoying. I saw somebody compare it to uh, Peanut Butter Jelly Time. And <laughs> I really, oh, I really up of like the these year. verses, though. Again, just classic Gorillaz material. Like this, just brings me back to uh, Booty Brown's verse on Dirty Harry. Yeah, and I think that the beat didn't service Booty Brown's voice as well as the beat in Ascension is servicing Vince Staples. Uh, I love, I, even though it's understated in that in that somewhat uh, unpopular. Uh, hook i love what that little minor key synth is doing behind him um and i love the little higher chorus behind yeah him. i like the choir work a lot uh i i love the production on this track i think vince obviously everybody's talking about the puppet on a string uh bar it's like one of the big bars of the in in a week where kendrick kind of had this amazing uh mission statement of a song everybody is still also making some room to talk about Vince Staples uh, bars on this song. And, uh, and it's totally deserved. I think yeah, it's deservedly it's, so it's, it's, it's right up there, probably a top five MC performance on a, on a gorillas track for me. I think it's super strong and uh, I love the song. It's probably my second favorite of the batch. Probably. It would get there for me if it had a stronger hook, but my second favorite as of now is still uh, Andromeda, which we should talk which about. We should talk about featuring Dram supposedly apparently yeah, we, supposedly what, what is he really doing on this song I, I love dram i love that picture of him with his dog when you mentioned that earlier i looked up the track on genius apparently what he's doing is that little kind of uh bridge directly up to the first verse about there being no substitute oh weird i thought that was just damon yeah me too but i mean i guess that's dram's part i huh. really was kind of disappointed by the dram guest spot after seeing him initially in uh, like that leaked track list or something, I just thought about what a good track you could get by combining gorillas with something like, I don't know, broccoli or cha-cha. And yeah. to find that he's just basically doing like backing vocals was a little underwhelming. But I will say I'm not disappointed with this song. I no, do really definitely like not. Song. It's a very good song. I like it a lot. It really came alive to me when I... Uh, when I played it on my car's sound system, because it's, it's you could almost like if you're not thinking or listening too closely, you might even call this song a little bit like low key or down tempo. It really isn't though. Uh, the the beat is actually re- quite driving and pretty pretty crunchy, uh, but there is kind of a classic you know Damon melancholy. There are some late night vibes to it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I like, I do like the, the, the hook. I mean, it's a little bit, maybe a little bit understated, but I really like, Mm -hmm. uh, and I, is he saying love her or lover? I hear lover. I hear lover also, Yeah, but I've seen some people write it out. Love her. Mm. What Mm. this song makes me think of though, um, is I think this is what it might've sounded like if, uh, Daft Punk had gotten Damon to be on their last album, Random Access Memories. Oh yeah. That's, that's actually a pretty apt comparison. I think I've seen a couple artists doing that recently though, because, um, have you heard the recent Alvin Harris song slide with Frank Ocean and Migos on it? 
I saw that that came out. That now I haven't listened to that. also sounds like Calvin Harris making a very, very good Random Access Memories song. Right. Kind of sad robot music. <laughs> Not even like, it's like kind of that, like, you know, it sounds like robots making like 70s disco pop. Right. Yeah. But I would say that, I would say that there is a, a it's, there is a sad disco element to yes. Andromeda, certainly. Yes. This that, sounds that like, this been... sounds like Damon just got out of club and it's something he's singing to himself on his way home. Again, with Andromeda, we have, we have this kind of, uh, uh, intergalactic, you know, space theme a motif that is emerging here i think that's really interesting i'm i enjoy seeing artists do stuff like that uh across trackless things right so then like if if plastic beach was kind of had a nautical theme to it perhaps we're gonna we're gonna go interstellar on uh, on yeah Venus. i like that interstellar kind of slash like mythology there with saturn and andromeda that's true both of them are also are also gods yeah. so mm-hmm. you know hmm, hmm. well we'll mm. see we'll see uh, let's talk about We Got the Power <laughs> with Jenny Bath. Yeah, this this one uh, isn't really my favorite. I don't like this track that much. I think it's cute. I, I actually really like the first five seconds of it. <laughs> it almost, for a second, feels like it's going to go in like an ultralight beam uh, direction. Like it's got kind of a, a future gospel thing happening there at the beginning. That would have been true. Um, yeah. And I even like when Jenny Beth is kind of doing her Love Is All style punk rock chick shouting thing. Mm-hmm. But boy, when she starts singing, there's and I like Savages. I think that's I, I haven't heard that the second Savages album, but I really like the first one. I did like the first uh, one, yeah. Uh, there's something that's she kind of is reminding me of. Do you know the band Poison Girls? Uh, they were like a, a kind of a cult '80s punk band fronted by a middle-aged woman, uh, kind of an intersectional feminist punk punk rock band. I'm kind of familiar. a cool band. Kind of a cool band, but like a very distinct voice, like a throaty middle-aged woman voice. And that's what I'm getting from Jenny when she sings. And I don't think that this song is servicing that voice uh, in in the best way. I don't – it's – like the analogy I would make is like every year Oreo comes out with a weird seasonal Oreo. And some of them you're like, that sounds awful. And I don't know that all the flavors are really mixing on this track in a way that that hits my palate uh, positively. It is the closer, though. That's weird. So, you know, if you want that full 100% cathartic experience, you're going to have to end on this note every time. Well, you know, the version that they played uh, uh, at uh, at Printworks was a lot longer. I heard it was considerably better. And it was better. I do think it was better. I think it still had some of the. I mean, Jenny, Jenny's voice is what it is. Uh, but I felt like, okay, this does feel cathartic. Like this does feel cathartic in a way that like makes it feel like an end of album track. But Trevor, there are four uh, bonus tracks on Humans as well. There's a uh, five actually. Five is that right? I'm not six if you list. include a, an, an interlude. So that how do how do you think that plays out? Is that do you, is that do you think that's going to sequence in a way that it'll run together with the album, or do you think when you listen to Humans, you'll listen to it most of the time up through We Got the Power, and maybe s- spread those bonus tracks into some playlists or something like that? That's a really good question, and I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out. I was never a huge fan of bonus tracks, but you know who completely changed that in 2016? Mm. Kanye West. Oh right, well yeah, absolutely. The I way think, the think... life of Pablo is structured. Is has completely changed the way I think about track listings because it feels more like an encore. Exactly, it feels exactly like an encore. You get up to Wolves, that's the album. 
And he throws right. a nice little wavy interlude in there. And he even makes sure to say during the outro of the first bonus track, these are the bonus tracks. He explicitly says it. All my right. favorite albums had bonus tracks. Here are the bonus tracks. You know, I hope that that's, I hope that that's, that we're getting that conceptual kind of a take on bonus tracks on humans. That would be really cool. I feel like that's probably what we're going to get. The fact that uh, the first track after we got the power is an interlude is really giving me hope that it's actually going to be a cohesive continuation of the record and not just, Hey, here are five other songs. Yeah. I like, okay. So I, that's, that's my prediction too. I'm, I have a prediction and it is that the five bonus tracks of humans are going to feel like a sort of coda for the record. And that's also my hope and my prayer. We've got until what? April 20 is it 8th? So about like exactly a month now. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I got I got countdown fever. Trevor. Yeah, we will have a fourth Gorillas record in a month. A fourth proper studio LP. You know what's going to help make that wait a little less trying, a little less cold and lonely? Don't we get like a new Kendrick album like earlier that month? No, nah, fuck Kendrick Lamar. This podcast. Oh, yeah, the podcast. Make... That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Kendrick I'm may sorry. have released don't, like don't fuck Kendrick Butterfly, Lamar. I'm sure that album's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's going to be, it's definitely going to make the build up a lot more exciting, I think, to uh, sit down with you uh, once a week or however we're planning to do this. And yes, talk absolutely. about this. Talk about our love for this very, very special band. And if you're listening and you've got uh, a reaction, maybe we said something that you're like, oh, that's not sitting well with me. Or uh, maybe you got a news story you want to tip us off. I, I love to fight with people online. Oh, it's one that of your, was, I mean. That's literally, that was literally how I spent, like, the majority of my time in the Gorillaz fan base, just fighting with people online. Yes, absolutely. And he's good at it. That's my warning to you. I'm a pushover. If you, if you didn't like something I said, you can just be like, shut up, fatty. And I'll be like, you're right. But no, if you, feel free to add if, us on Twitter or whatever, and we will. Yeah, I was going to say. So if you want to get at us, uh, you can email us at uh, hallelujahmonkeys with a Z uh, at gmail.com or facebook.com slash hallelujahmonkeys or Twitter somewhat obnoxiously uh, at Gorillas Fancast because Hallelujah Monkeys would not fit in their little restrictive username box. That doesn't feel like too long of a name. It doesn't feel that long to me either. But you know what? Who are we to question Twitter? I they guess. won't ban they won't ban the the white supremacists. Yeah, they won't ban they won't let us neo Nazis, but we can't get our podcast name. Hmm. Hmm, Twitter. Jack. Hmm. Looking at you, Jack. Well, uh, Trevor, this is a, a wonderful inaugural episode. Uh, I hope that you've had as much fun as me. Uh, I will say until next time, I'm Dylan Flynn. I'm Trevor Ickrath. And we don't have a yeah. We don't have a yet. cool gorillas related thing to sign off on just yet. Give me like give me like two minutes. I'm going to just look through iTunes and say the first thing that comes. To my <laughs> okay, mind. good. Yeah, All let's right? do it. Here we go. Yep. Uh, until next time, don't get lost in heaven. Oh, nice. That's pretty good, right? We'll I see mean, you. We'll see you. I'm gonna leave. I'm even gonna. I'm not gonna edit at all. I'm gonna leave that pause in because the people got to know how quick your Google game was there. And hey, we'll see you. El Manana. <laughs> we'll see you when tomorrow comes today. Take it in your heart
kidding.